to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Hi, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, friend. All right. How are you doing? My name is Tim. It is an honor to be unpacking scripture with you today. We are in this, uh, this I Am series that Christian started last week. And we are looking at these different statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John where, um, where he says, I am the something. To, he's explaining who he is to people. Last week, Christian started out by just explaining what I am, uh, the, those words mean from one example in the Gospel of John. And then now starting uh, today, then over the next seven weeks, we're going to cover seven of these I am the statements that Jesus makes. And I want to invite you, we're going to start today in John chapter 6. And so if you have your Bible, I encourage you to have that out. Flip to John 6. John is one of the ancient biographies of Jesus in the New Testament. It's after Luke and before Acts. It's pretty far to the right in your Bible. So John chapter 6. The, the author of John was just this brilliant um, storyteller. And the, the, the book of John tells the story of Jesus at so many different levels. One of the things that we see is that uh, when the story of Jesus is being told, it weaves in and out the different Jewish festivals that Jesus would have participated in in the first century as an observant Jew. And so... Um, Throughout, we see him placed during these different festivals. And the, and the point that the author is trying to bring out is how Jesus is the fulfillment and completion of what these festivals were pointing to. And so that's happening in our story today. And so I want to just look at um, the beginning of chapter 6, verse 4. Notice it says, uh, the Jewish Passover festival was near. And so the, the, all these events that we're going to talk about um, in chapter 6 are all in this Passover setting. And so when you hear that, um, what does Passover, what events does that bring to mind? Probably the events of the Exodus, when God delivered his Israelite people out of slavery in Egypt. You can think, if you've seen the classic movie Ten Commandments or Prince of Egypt. But these are the events. And um, God did this through a number of mighty deeds. But there's a couple mighty deeds in particular that were really important in the Exodus event. One was an event with water and one was an event with bread. And so we, the, in, the, in the Exodus, there's this water mighty deed. God brought his people through the Red Sea. God showed himself to be more powerful than the sea and brought, him, brought them through the Red Sea. There's this water mighty deed. And then once they're out in the wilderness, they were hungry. And God fed his people through this bread mighty deed. He gave them manna from heaven so that they could be fed. And so water and bread, these two mighty deeds that God does on behalf of his people. And so here... You know, fast forward to the time of Jesus in chapter 6. It's a time of, fest, of Passover. And what two things do we see Jesus do in chapter 6? First, we see him do this mighty deed with bread. He feeds, we're told he feeds 5 
thousand with five small barley loaves and two fish. So he multiplies and feeds the people with bread in the wilderness. And then, after the feeding, he goes up on a mountainside, prays. It gets to be nighttime. His disciples head out in the boat. There's a storm on the sea. And then Jesus comes walking out on the water, the one more powerful than the sea. And he does this mighty deed with water. So bread and water. And fascinating, when he, he's walking out on the water, catch this. He's walking out on the water. And um, the, uh, the disciples see him and they freak out, as you would. And the thing he says to them is... It is I. Do not be afraid. And do you know what those words, it is I in, are in Greek? Ego me. I am. Don't be afraid. If you're not sure what all the significance of that is, you have to check out the message Christian did last week on the meaning of the words I am. And it will... Um, really make more sense there so uh jesus time of pass time of passover does this uh mighty act with bread mighty act with water and then we're told that he goes to his hometown capernaum to the synagogue and then has this conversation with other jewish men and women there about what these things mean what they say about him and he talks to them about bread and about hunger and about what that says about who Jesus is. And the thing that Jesus really, during this conversation, we're going to get to it, we're going to look at it in a moment here, but the thing that he really presses them on is the question, what are you truly hungry for? What are, what are your deep longings? What are your deep desires? The time of Passover would have been a time when different people were reminded of different hungers, Passover hungers. I mean, it would have reminded them of hungers for, for freedom and hungers for safety, hungers for that their family would be provided for, that bellies would be full, hungers for God. And these hungers would have been stirred up. And so I think before we listen to the conversation that Jesus had, him explaining himself, I think it's, it'd be good for us to pause and reflect ourselves on the question, what are you hungry for? What do you long for? The Bible, from front cover to back, is a, a book about desire about hunger the bible begins the, like right away you get the story of adam and eve they're in the garden there's a tree and we get a story of desire gone wrong eve looks at the fruit and it's enticing and beautiful and desirable for gaining knowledge desire gone wrong right at the beginning and then you go to the last page of the bible and we get a uh, we get a verse one of the last sentences of this entire book is about desire gone right let anyone who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life this is a book about longing about desire ronald rollheister in his book, The Holy Longing, says it this way. It says, spirituality is ultimately about what we do with that desire. What are you hungry for? 
What are you hungry for? I think about this season um, that we're uh, living in right now and all the different things going on in our world. And it stirs, I think it lays bare the things that we really hunger for. Things of um, safety, of non-anxiety, of feeling peace in our hearts, uh, of control. How, how much do we long for control? Of less stress. I think about longings for justice and fairness. I think we're in a season where our hungers, our longings get stirred up. And I think it's good to reflect on what are we hungry for? And then also, what are we doing to fulfill that hunger? Because we have all different strategies in the world. How are you trying to fill yourself up? There's all different ways we do this, right? We try to fill these things up, these longings in ourselves. Some of the ways we try to fill ourselves up are uh, not, they're destructive, right? Sometimes we, we try to, our, our hurts and our anxieties, we'll fill them out with destructive things. Um, I brought some, these are dirty sponges from my house. Sometimes we are people eating dirty sponges. They're just not good for us. We know uh, substance abuse, alcohol, prescription drugs, pornography, dysfunctional relationships, social media addiction. There's all sorts of destructive things. Things we are just not meant to eat. It's not good for us. Sometimes we're filling ourselves up with things like that. Sometimes, though, we try to fill ourselves up with things that um, they're good. We're, they're just, we're not meant to be filled up with them. So these are significant others, relationships, spouses, kids. Like we're not, like these are, these are good things. They're not meant to be the thing that fills the deepest longing of our souls. Success in school or sports or having a good job or being respected. These things are like mouthwash. Mouthwash is good in your life. You should not try and fill up on it. The, the, and so we... We, we try to, and, and so maybe even just a question before we listen to the words of Jesus today would be what, when you reflect on your life, what are you trying to fill up on? Jesus, he comes to this uh, city, Capernaum, his hometown. They end up in the synagogue and they begin asking him questions. And they have this conversation that turns around what just happened, these events, these mighty deeds about bread and about hunger, about God and desire. And this is one I want us to listen to now. So picking up in verse 25, we read, uh, we read this. It says, when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. You're hungry for me. You're not because you saw the signs, the significance of what I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For in Him, God the Father, has placed His seal of approval. See, right away, Jesus is unmasking their hungers. They come, and, and uh, they're looking for him, and, he, and, he, and he's, what he's saying is, what are you really hungry for? 
Because you're, it seems like you're hungry to have your bellies full. You're, you're, you're hungry to have your physical needs met. But how might those actually be pointing to a deeper and more important spiritual hunger? Their conversation uh, continues. I want to jump down to verse 30. So they continue and they ask him again. They say, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Notice again, this is one of these Passover, Passover is spinning around. The events of Passover in the background. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread they say, they're, what they're saying is, that is what we want. That is what we long for. And then Jesus gives the punchline. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go Who says that? I mean, if you're coming to this text and you're not a follower of Jesus, what you, I think you have to ask, like, what kind of person says this? He says, I am the one sent from God. I am the one your deepest longings point towards. I am the one all the physical longings and hungers in your life actually point towards me. I am the one who will fulfill the deepest longings of your soul. Jesus repeats it. You can jump down uh, to verse 48. He says it a second time. He says in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the one your heart has been longing for. I am the one who can give you this, this life, this real life from God that fills up your soul. I am the one who can give you that now. And I am the one who can give you resurrection life after your death. I am the one who fulfills the deepest longings of your soul. And so I want to circle back to those questions I asked at the beginning. And I just want to press into them a minute longer. These questions, what are you hungry for? And what are you trying to fill yourself up with? 
And I, you know, if you're with us and you would say you're not a follower of Jesus, um, uh, my guess is you recognize that there are hungers that sometimes we try to fill up destructively. There's times that we're trying to eat sponges. And I think most of us recognize that that is just not a good way to live life. But also, um, I think we also recognize there's all sorts of other things, good things that we try to fill up with. And in fact, you know, I think about, um, I think about Bellingham. Bellingham is a great city. If you want to try and fill up with the best the not Christian world has to offer, Bellingham is a great place to do it. You got the mountains, you can ski and snowboard, you can mountain bike, you can climb, you got the ocean, you can sail, you can get it all posted on Instagram, you can do van life, or you can do Seattle tech life. We have the best, we have so many breweries, we got great food, we got great coffee. I mean, you can be part of any cause you want, like Bellingham, if there's a place where you can kind of Try to fill up your soul with the best this world apart from God has to offer. This is a place you can do it in. And yet here too, I think underneath it, we feel piercing through at times this hunger that is still not satisfied. C.S. Lewis said it this way said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. Jesus, uh, Jesus said uh, to his contemporaries, these men and women with these Passover longings for freedom and safety, and he said, Do, the, for bread, he said, don't you know that those are the things, your Passover longings, your longings for even food, those are meant to point you to me and how I fill the deepest longings of your heart. And so, I just want us to reflect on like how might your hunger to point to Jesus? How might those longings in your life be meant to be fulfilled in Jesus? I think about the, our national uh, conversations around justice and fairness right now, racial justice, and how much I see in our world this expression, this longing for the kingdom and reign of Jesus. Our longings, our hungers are meant to point to Jesus. And if this is you, if you're one, if you're saying, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but I feel these hungers, I don't know, I would just say, please keep coming back this fall. We are going to be talking about Jesus every single week. I would love for you to learn more and be introduced to Jesus. And the other thing is, be reading these stories for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Dive into it. Read it for yourself. The other thing that I think um, I want to make sure to touch on is this uh, recognition that I think sometimes that I can, I can say this, and I've had conversations in the past where followers of Jesus, people say, hey, I'm a Christian. They'd come and talk to me and say, Tim, 
I hear you say Jesus is the fulfillment of the deepest longings in your life, but I'm still hungry. It doesn't seem to be working. And I feel like sometimes the role of the pastor is spiritual dietitian. Because I'll, I'll be, well, tell me what you're eating. And sometimes I'll have, you know, tell me what you're eating. And what, sometimes the answer is, you know, well, spiritually, I'm not really eating anything. I don't really pray anymore. I don't really spend any time, you know, meditating on the teachings of Jesus. And I'll, I'll think, well, that might be why you're hungry. Or other times what I'll find is they'll tell me about the, the Christianity they're taking in. The Christianity they feel that isn't satisfying them. And they'll describe it. And it's a version of Jesus where Jesus has been hijacked for small self-improvement projects. And gaining political power or money making schemes. And they'll say this is not satisfying. And I'll say that is not really Jesus. That is a cardboard cutout of Jesus. And it will not satisfy you if you are trying to fill up on it. The real Jesus fulfills the deepest longings of our soul. The real Jesus is the bread of life. If that, uh, if what I described resonates with you, I would just want to say this, that um, that dissatisfaction you feel, it might not be a dissatisfaction with Jesus. It might be a holy dissatisfaction that Jesus is using to invite you to know the real him. When I think about our church community, I think about every person listening right now, I want so badly each person to know the real Jesus the living Christ. I want, I want you to know the Jesus of history, the Jesus through whom and for whom all things were made, the I am who delivered the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. The Son of God became man that men and women could become sons and daughters of God. The God-man crucified on the cross to bear the sin and death of the world. The, the Jesus, the living Christ of history, worshipped in the catacombs, died for in the Colosseums. The Jesus of Augustine and Aquinas. The Jesus that Francis and Claire of Assisi announced to the poor. The Jesus of Wesley and Bonhoeffer. The Jesus right now prayed to in favelas of Latin America and danced to in savannas of Africa and clung to in Chinese underground churches. The living Christ of history. I want you to know the real Jesus and you will not be left hungry. He is the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never be hungry, never be thirsty. May we come to him. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we trust by your spirit that you are with every one of us that heard this this. Uh, this event that you were part of in history and was recorded for us and now it was retold that we could encounter you you're with every one of us you know the stuff of our hearts our souls you know our hungers 
you know the secret things of our hearts. And Jesus, I would just pray that for each one of us, you would speak a personal word about how those longings might lead us to you, the real you, even today. And you might give us the courage to respond. In your name, amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.